Dr. Brody, Dr. Jones, we have top men working on it right now. Who? Top, top men. Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Indiana Jones Universe, a podcast in which we learn more about the character of Indiana Jones, exploring other content in the Indiana Jones Universe. As always, I'm Will. And I'm Max. And today, we are joined by our very first special guest here on the podcast. Mr. Michael Banghart. Hello everyone. Also known as my father. But uh... <laughs> uh, Today we have a very interesting episode as we're going to be exploring uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. And a few weeks ago I came up with the idea to talk about what it was like seeing this movie in 1981 in the theaters. Now, Max and I are old, but we're not that old. And so we never had the opportunity to see Raiders in theaters in 1981. And with Star Wars being such uh, a huge movie when it came out, and kind of changing uh, the way we look at cinema history now, I thought sometimes we don't really think about the same thing with Indiana Jones. And Indiana Jones was kind of the first movie of its time to really see kind of an action-adventure movie like this. And so today we're going to be talking about what is this 1981 Raiders experience like? And of course, it's always fun when we have someone else join us in on the conversation. Um, so we're welcoming our very first special guest to the podcast studio. Uh, yeah, which... Thank you. Welcome. Uh, it, it sometimes gets a bit humid in here, and to the point where it does feel like you're standing over the lava pit in Molaram's Temple of Doom. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, other than that, I think uh, it's going to be a great and interesting episode today. So uh, without further ado, let's jump right in, shall we? We shall. First of all, how did you find out about Indiana Jones, just in general? Uh, there was a lot of advertising, uh, you know, on TV uh, and posters. And, you know, back in 1981, you didn't have all the media outlets that you do now. So there And was that was no one flash. of the things I was kind of interested in asking you about. What was kind of like the hype around the film and the propaganda and the advertising and, you know... The, the posters and was it in the newspapers or did you ever see the trailer on TV and stuff like that? Yeah, I, I saw the trailer on TV. Uh, I saw the trailer at the theater because at the time right. I was seeing other movies. I was only 12. Okay. Uh, so when it came out. But, you know, definitely went to go see other movies. And um, so my best friend at the time, uh, Robert, um, and I went and saw the movie together. Okay. And so you're only 12 years old. Only 12. And So we went with a parent. Right. Okay. And so uh, originally it was just called Raiders of the Lost Ark, obviously, not Indiana yep. Jones or anything. Um, what kind of was kind of the selling point in this movie? Like, obviously Star Wars had just come out, and that was a huge blockbuster film. And now Lucas and Spielberg are teaming up on this project. What was that kind of like? Well, that was part of it, is they did sell the whole Lucas and Spielberg together, um, which was kind of interesting, especially after seeing Star Wars and right. just you know being blown away by it, you know, just the technology of it. So then um, this, it was, it was the adventure aspect of it. So it was kind of sold like... Um, more of a, a, an adventure type of movie with the same excitement of Star Wars, right? So they tried to build off of that a little bit. Yeah. That brings me to my next question. See, 
were you more excited to see it since you had seen Star Wars by Lucas before? Or yes, yeah, you were more yeah excited. because you knew that it was by the same person, so it was going to have some of the same uh, excitement level that you got from uh, Star Wars, except. It was a di totally different setting. So how is that going to work? So you know, you were right. I was curious as to what it would be like. So there's a conspiracy theory that um, all of the Indiana Jones films are Han Solo's dreams while he's in frozen in carbonite, which you... is obviously when we see him in Empire Strikes Back. Did you obviously at the time that wasn't really well known? Since now we have all, sort of all these kind of plot holes and little things that make us think that that is actually true. And also any... something called the internet. But you right. Know. <laughs> <laughs> but do you have any thoughts on that? I have never thought of that before. That's really interesting. You know, because you have the same actor playing both parts. Right. It makes you think that uh, that that's really interesting. I've well, I've never thought of that. And before. some of the things and. We may talk about this in a future podcast episode. Is there were actually a lot of hints. So if you look at the hieroglyphics in Raiders, mm -hmm. you'll notice some of them have C3PO and R2D2 on them. And also, Major Eaton, who was from the quote that we uh, used today at the beginning of the episode, he was also Porkins in Star Wars, one of the pilots. And of course, the same sound effects were used too. So in the beginning of Raiders, during the prologue, when the plane starts to turn on, I believe that there was some sort of sound. That was used in Star Wars. I think it. I think it was the Millennium Falcon failing or something like that. And yeah, so all uh, these little things to think about it. Uh -huh. And you know, it was kind of like, well, is this? Could this actually be some sort of? Well, the interesting thing that you bring up about the Millennium Falcon failing is that when I watch Star Wars later, is that it does that sound of it failing is the sound of of a propeller engine right failing. Yeah. So they. It may just be because that's what they had at the time right. to use for the sound of an engine failing, right? <laughs> that's true. And so they used it for the Millennium Falcon, because what else were they going to use? Right. Now, Max, obviously, I've talked to you about this plenty of times. Right. But now that we've seen everything years and years later, do you think that George Lucas actually wanted to do that? And that it was actually his intention, or is this something that we've created over time? I don't know. I, I would... That would something that would be something you'd have to ask Lucas. You know, let's just hope we can call him up and have him as a special guest one day. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> like that'll happen. But you know, yeah. But and and that too as well. Speaking of Harrison Ford in the same roles, obviously Harrison Ford didn't like being Han Solo. But did were you excited to see him as Indiana Jones? Was was that also kind of being sold on the hype with Lucas and Spielberg as well? Yes, but you know, it's not. It wasn't that uncommon for characters in movies who were uh, one of the leads, one of the main yeah. characters, to then be in other movies. Because it, there weren't a lot of... Um, there were a lot of actors, but it's, it's not like there was the array of actors that you see now. Right. Because now there are so many outlets, right? Yeah. Back then, making movies was much more... Uh, um, more risky, right? Because it right. was so expensive because it was not digital. It was all on film. So every take had to really be a good take. Otherwise, you'd get really, really expensive having to have all these rolls and rolls of film. That's interesting, yeah. So they wanted to use characters. They wanted to use people as actors who they knew and could rely on. And so the fact that he had proven himself 
in Star Wars okay. yeah. is probably why they used him in this role because he was also kind of a swashbuckler in Star Wars, right? Yeah. So you could believe <laughs> right. <laughs> that he was Indiana uh, Jones. What did you think of the name Raiders of the Lost Ark? Like, what did you think of it when it first came out? Raiders. Um, I don't, I'm not sure if that really, uh, struck me at, at 12. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just accepted it as the... It's like, oh, that's the name of the movie. Let's go see it. Movie. Let's <laughs> right. go see it. Yeah. Now, I have a question. It, it has a very adventure sort of a feel. That's though. true. That you is. know, you're raiding. It's kind of pirates, right? Right. Like, that's kind of an adventure. Now, story. that is a question I did have, is was this as exciting to see as Star Wars? Was this that exciting? Star Wars was revolutionary back then. I mean, mm -hmm. no one had ever seen something like that, and I think it was like only one sort of company gave Lucas a chance with this movie. Was it that same excitement around this film? It, well, you know what was really interesting? Because I, I watched the movie again yesterday, and <laughs> it, uh, or today even, and it made me think about how back in the 80s, especially the early 80s, late 70s, early 80s, that there weren't adventure uh, movies like this. You didn't have the same kind of adventure action that you did uh, in Raiders and that you do now. The pacing right. was totally different back then. Pacing was slower. You know, even in Star Wars, in the first one, you'll notice that there are points where the story is kind of quiet there's not a lot happening it's it's more um character development mm -hmm. right you didn't get that much of that in raiders and that's what made it so different it was just i mean it was action you got a little bit of the love story right right you got a little bit of the historical you know the nazis and all that stuff and but it, you didn't have the same slowness the pace was much faster yeah that's true Speaking of pirates, do you think Indiana Jones is a pirate for stealing it and trying to put it in a museum? That's well, you know, it's funny because <laughs> again, <laughs> you got me on that one, Max. What we're what you're talking about is uh, something that's of the era, and in back in the '70s and '80s, there were a lot of um, there was a lot of archaeological digs going on. There was uh, um, uh, Tut, right? King Tut. Mm -hmm. They were uncovering his tomb, right? And that created a lot of excitement as that then toured the country, right? And no one thought of it as stealing the cultural items from this other country. It was, we're preserving it. I see. Whereas okay. now we have, we're more woke, right? Yeah. So we're much more aware that this is from a society in a different culture that you need to be honor, right? Right. Instead, at that time, it was you had the British Museum, which had more Egyptian artifacts than they had in Egypt. Right. Now, speaking of archaeology, I've, Max and I have had this conversation many times. In terms of thinking about archaeology, right, there are many people, myself included, who have thought about how archaeology would be such an exciting career to consider, yes. thinking that you'd be the next Indiana Jones. Yes. The, the idea of archaeology now has completely changed because of this movie. 
what was, was there some sort of interest or, I mean, this was kind of a new topic to bring in all this history and archaeology and the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles, which we've been talking about now, is really focused on the history. That's kind of the main idea here. Yeah. You've got the action, you've got the love stories that we've seen and all these kinds of things, but it's the history that's the forefront of, the, of this show. And so was that something that was appealing or really kind of sought after in terms of the trailers and the posters and that kind of stuff? No. No, the history wasn't so much. It was much more the action. Yeah. That was the selling point. It was the action. You get a bit, a little bit of the love story. But uh, as an action movie with characters, I mean, uh, that you knew. Um, yeah. What did you think of Marion? You know, she was, she was different than the typical female character because she was also strong. She drank the... The guy under the table. She could hold her liquor, right? So in some ways, she was kind of like uh, the Western uh, gal who, like uh, Annie Oakley, right? So she could, you know, she could shoot a gun. She could hold her liquor. She was tough. She could deal with men. But then, of course... She was also an alcoholic, but... um... (laughs) (laughs) Right. That's how she held her liquor, but... (laughs) At the, at the same time, she also couldn't be too strong, right? Yeah. So they had to still make her feminine. Like the scene where she puts on the dress, the guy says, put on the dress, you know? When the, 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 British, uh, the British character who's working with the Nazis right. has uh, her Belloc. put on the dress. Belloc. Exactly. Yep. Right. Now, in terms of the movie, let's just jump right into this, and this will kind of be more of an overall discussion of Raiders itself. What were the first thoughts on the films you you exit the theater what were you thinking and what was kind of the general idea was this kind of a, a insane great film or i mean was how, what was it like in just your overall reactions to the scenes and everything that you saw uh yeah i mean you left the movie uh and you're excited you know you wanted to uh you wanted to go uh, crawl through the jungle and use your <laughs> rep. And, I mean, yeah, you, 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 it really was exciting. You wanted to go do it. What was your favorite scene from the movie? Just overall. You know, I've got, favorite a, scene. I've got a couple we go, favorite scenes. We go around scenes. and share. How about that? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so one of my favorite scenes is, and I appreciate it even more now than than at the time. Well, that's saying something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> is, is the scene when he's in the square... And the crowd parts, and there's the guy with the big sword. Yeah. And he's swinging the sword. Indy has nothing. You know, he, he pulls out his gun and just shoots him. Just <laughs> he's like, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, bye. Yeah. Yeah. Now, something I wanted to bring up about that. I, yeah. This is something that some people know, other people don't know. That scene was never originally scripted, right? And it was because that Indy actually, and many of the other... Pretty actors, much the entire crew, except right, for Lucas, got food poisoning. Yeah, and so during these scenes that they had to shoot, you know, some people were very, very ill, and so they had this whole, you know, sword fight scene going on. And then, you know, it, Harrison Ford just says, "Let's just shoot the sucker." Uh-huh. You know, like I mean, there was nothing, nothing. I mean, I thought that was cool because originally it seems like it's really in there. Yeah, you know, I I had heard that as well, and when I was watching it today, and I watched that scene. You, interesting thing about it is that you look at Indy and he is sweating. Profusely. Yeah, <laughs> he looks bad. Yeah, like he it's is hilarious. Not feeling well. Um, and you think and, it's just him in the action role, <laughs> right, but he's really right. Yeah, but he's no, actually sick. He's actually, really sick. <laughs> yeah. And Lucas is the only one who didn't get sick because let's see. Uh, how many? How many 
uh, weeks were they on set or months? I don't know. They were they were on there for weeks, but spe specifically that actual area. They also used that when they went back into the Star Wars prequels. That same area, mm. so that was already known to Lucas during that time. But they were there for for a long time, and so that definitely had some sort of impact in terms of the shooting and stuff. Well, like that. I hope Lu Lucas must have not ever ate canned soup after that, because that's what he ate the yeah, entire I think, trip. I, it was either Spielberg or Lucas or someone who I think had all his food imported back from in England and <laughs> just had all you know. The food. Yeah. yeah. So the, the the reason why I appreciate that scene even more now. You, you have this potential for, like, this big fight scene yeah. that's not really, you know, his specialty. Right. You know, swords, right? And so you don't have him doing all these extraordinary things which seem kind of unrealistic. Exactly. It's Instead, kind of like being the perfect yeah, hero. Yeah, he just was like, you know, boom. That's right. it. He's <laughs> that's like, I've it. got a gun. Yeah. It's like, it's like, why don't you use the weapon yeah. you have? And he does. So that's why I think it's it's, that, it's even better the way it That was one out. of the greatest scenes. And yeah. My favorite scene, and I think, is one of the most brilliant scenes in all of filmmaking. You know, now with so many movies coming out every year, right, and so many great pictures, there's so many good movie scenes just for the, the cinematography of it and the storyline and all that. And mm -hmm. I always found that with the beginning and opening of Raiders. Those first 12 minutes, yes. to me, is one of the best scenes ever. Yes. And I just love it. It's, it's got everything you're looking for. And this is something that I thought was always interesting when I go back and watch this now, is I always... It, it's always kind of portrayed as though Indy is the villain at first, which I which I never noticed at first. Because if you notice, he's going and he's going into this temple. You know, we've never seen it before. He's escaping all these traps. You're obviously not supposed to be in there. Mm -hmm. And then he goes and takes the sand and grabs the idol, and then he's running out. Mm -hmm. And so it almost seems like he's stealing it from there. And then you've got Belloc, who kind of looks like the good guy at first, uh -huh. right? He's got all the, you know, uh, the Havidos tribesmen all with him. And then the kind of roles reverse as you hear that, you know, that huge villainous laugh over, you know, right. that's kind of coming over the whole scene as Indy's running. And then uh, the, the score when he's jumping on the rope, uh, and, mm -hmm. you know, jock start the engine and all that. I just always loved it. It, it, it had that idea of mystery, suspense, and then the action, and then, you know, all that sort of stuff. And then, of course, the one-liners and Jock being, you know, <laughs> completely, you know, I always loved the character of Jock. He had, yeah. you know, like a minute of screen time, but that was just <laughs> always great. And that rope, I think we may have mentioned this before, is actually in Hawaii, and you can still go and swing on that rope really? into the water, oh, which, is, which is great. <laughs> My favorite scene is actually the Jock scene. Really? Personally, because Jock hears in the forest, Jock, start the engine. He's like, Eh, I'm still gonna fish. Right, he keeps fishing, and then it's like Jock, and he he's looks. Got, he's got a fish, right? I mean, <laughs> and he looks, and he sees Indy. He's like, "Oh crap!" And just chucks right. the rod into the water. Exactly. And tries to start it, and then it's kind of the same scene is when Jock, there's a snake in here. Right. And that's just my pet snake, Remy or, or whoever. Reggie, or I think Reggie, it's like, yeah. and it's like. Jock, I hate snakes. Right, and something actually I found interesting about the character of Jock. Right, exactly, yes. about the whole snakes The thing. whole snakes. And something I always found about inter interesting about Jock, too, is we were talking about that kind of idea of Indy being a hero, right? Mm -hmm. And how everything seems so unrealistic, but then, you know, when he pulled out his revolver and actually shot him, that was kind of like, oh, he, he used what he had. I always found it interesting that Jock had a New York Yankees cap on. We think <laughs> of them being in this magical universe, you know, with everything's unrealistic. He's this great hero, but he's got a New York Yankees cap on. I always yeah. liked that they did that. Just to, he, You know, he's just he's just a guy with the plane, you know, he's just helping out Indian. Right. All through these adventures, we see characters like Jock appear, and I always enjoyed that, that we had that, but... 
And speaking here, foreshadowing with that scene, snakes is kind of one of the big motifs here. Was was that something that was kind of... What, what did you find interesting about having all these different reptiles and different animals come back and scare different characters throughout these movies? Um, well, you know... The snakes at the, t I mean, of course, at the time, being 12, I, you know, snakes, I was afraid of snakes. Uh, oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I didn't <laughs> like snakes. Now, it doesn't bother me all that much. And when I go back and look at it, it the interesting thing is how, when you see all the snakes there, they're, they're, a lot of them are really small snakes, yeah. you know? They're really not all that scary, even though, they're, okay, they're asps, so they, you know, right. they're poisonous. Exactly. But they're not like big boas or, you know, these huge, you know, really intimidating snakes. Yeah. They're the smaller ones that you actually, if you know about it, you probably would survive a bite or two yeah. from them, right? It might make you feel bad, but you'd probably be okay. But the whole idea of this uh, uh, snakes uh, or, or animals as like this threat, it's like man against the natural world yeah. in some way. That's you know? that's an interesting way to think about it, too. I always like the idea of the snakes, and, you know, it almost, you think about how kind of evil the snakes are, and they, they, they definitely seem like the enemy. Yeah. They always kind of add a little bit of humor to it as well, you know, that in fact they hate snakes, and, you know, you tell Sala to go in first, and, you know, mm -hmm. stuff like that, and I, I always like that as well. What was interesting, too, I thought, is the fact that they had all of these snakes in various different places. It wasn't just, you know, one specific set or scene. And everything felt really authentic and realistic. That's mm -hmm. what I also liked about it, is everything felt like the exact locations used. I mean, you had all these different variety of locations. And even the sets for the actual Well of Souls itself was always oh, yes. really nice, and I liked that as well. So, speaking of snakes and the foreshadowing, what did you think about the first 12 minutes of the prologue, basically, oh, of the movie? Yeah, the, the first 12 minutes were a great setup for the rest of the movie. You know, they didn't start it with him in the classroom, kind of the geeky professor. Yeah. They started with him, you know, you right away. You got no away. idea what's going on. Right, you got right away the adventure, and they did it so well with, um, with the traps, yeah. you know, the spiders... The, the the ball rolling after him that was a the, the ball was a great scene that's and a great scene that's one of those things that you know you take later on and you you've know, never seen that before you've never seen that before right and, and you, you talk about that like uh, uh, with your friends yeah and I know Max you've always mentioned too that you always like the the ball rolling after Indy because you know it's it's something that you would, it's, it's an interesting trap, right? You never think, you always think about someone coming after you, but there's these physical forces coming after Yeah, he hears right. something and he's like, he looks up and he sees the balls. He's like, oh God, and just right, runs. Right, exactly, just runs out of the temple, right? There's right. all these things happening all the time. What I always thought was interesting about Raiders is there was always things that made Raiders feel kind of specific. Obviously, now we've got all these kinds of new movies coming out trying to be like, and he, there's so many specific things, you know, just the hat, the attire, everything. Mm -hmm. It's so specific. And even the way that Indy, you know, talks and, you know, the, the one-liners he uses and, and everything in it, I always liked that. And speaking of Belloc, I wanted to ask you and Max as well. I know, Max, you really like the character of Belloc. And yes. originally you also thought that, and so did I, that Major Tote was really actually the bad guy here. Right. When he comes but, into Marion's bar. Right, but he's just... 
he's working for Belloc, basically. Right. Because the reason we thought he was the bad guy is because we see him on the plane and he looks, he's like, mm. Right, he looks right about the newspaper. And Belloc was included in that prologue, but kind of comes back afterwards. Right. And especially when Major Toad enters that scene when he just meets Marion, that was kind of one of those beginning scenes that was really kind of... You know, the Germans are the enemy in this situation. Right. Yeah. Let me show you what I'm used to. <laughs> right, exactly, and all these sort of things. And well, so... it, it feeds into the the narrative of, you know, the Germans as being bad, which, I mean, yeah. at the time was definitely a, a part of the American psyche. You That's know? true, yeah. Uh, it, it was... Because and we're talking about the Cold War era, right? Where right. it was the Russians are the ones of fear, and so because it's going back to 1930s, right? Exactly. right it's you have this uh, uh, this other foreign force, the Germans, right? Who yeah. are the the bad guys? But right, Belloc, I mean, uh, you really see him. Um, I mean, I really saw him as a character who. You know, Indy's competitor, but also, you know, he's going to work with whomever to get what he wants. Exactly. Right. right. Now, here's a question. Did you know about the name Indiana Smith? No. Okay, so I'll explain a little about this. Uh, I didn't even know this until you told me about it. I think it was a year ago or so. Yeah. That was the original name for Indiana Jones. Oh. It was Indiana, Indiana Smith. Smith. And when we think of it now, that sounds incredibly crazy, but it, Spielberg was the one who proposed to change it to Jones. I'm not really sure the reason for it, but Indiana Smith was actually the original name. And thinking about, you know, obviously the media versus what you had back then, I'm, I'm assuming that never got out at, at any point. But actually, I it did. That was interesting, really. So, well, it came out after Last Crusade did when they made the Young Indiana Jones TV show, which we reviewed. Right. He actually uses that. I can't remember when, but uh, he uses it as an alias, Smith, in one of his episodes. He uses oh, really? Smith as an alias. So it's kind of a okay, little bit a of a little bit of a hint, yeah. An Easter, an Easter egg in there. Egg, yeah. Now, yeah. Speaking of uh, him and kind of different roles, I thought it was always interesting to have him as a professor. And when we look at back on that now, with the Crystal Skull and with some of the other movies, he's in that same role. I kind of liked that he was the professor because it made it feel more realistic. I thought. Well, especially yes, because a, an archaeologist, of course, is also has to teach. You know, I mean, you you don't just go on these archaeological digs in order to to find um treasures and right. then sell them on the black market right <laughs> then he wouldn't be the good guy exactly. instead he's doing it and he wants it to be in the museum right yeah. so he's doing it for the science he's doing it for exactly. the, the historical education of people in general right and that's how he's a good guy whereas Belloc is much more for the Right, and there's that scene Money. when they're in the market in Cairo when he's like, "You're not that different than I, you know, than I." But they really have that small difference, right? Right. And he's obviously he wants it for himself, whereas Indy actually wants it for the museum and the greater good, almost. And yep. was there a character that you specifically liked or connected to the most? I've always been a fan of the character of Sala. I just thought he was a great addition. You know, he was someone that Indy could trust and was kind of a friend. Um, but also, you know, you always got a good laugh out of him. Yeah. I also like Marcus Brody. When he came back in Last Crusade and Crystal Skull, it was nice to see him in both of those. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so this is back to the Smith thing. So Okay. Um, and he also provides the name John Smith when he's captured by soldiers uh, in 
they imprison him in the army camp below the Devil's Cradle, which is uh, a comic book we have reviewed before. Right, so, so that's interesting. So I'm glad you brought that up because I forgot about that. And so that's kind of a little ode to it. And we were just talking about uh, the school. It's actually called Marshall College after the producer, Frank Marshall. So it's not a real place. At, at first yeah. I was thinking, where's Marshall College? But right. it's not a real place, It was, which was interesting. And so... I, I, th I found it interesting that he named it after the producer, but I don't, I don't know what the idea was behind that. Yeah. I, I think that was pretty common, and I, and I think things like that are actually still pretty common in film. That's true, to get a little bit of those things. And in the new yeah. Star Wars, actually, something I noticed is uh, they actually, since this is John Williams' last Star Wars film that he's scoring, if you go back to Star Wars and you look, he's actually got an eye patch, and he's the bartender. In one of the scenes in the middle really? of the movie, and I almost screamed when I saw him in there because wait, John Williams? Is? Yeah, John Williams. That's not Which really movie? A, a, in the new Star Wars that just came out. And so Rise of Skywalker. And that's not something he would do. I I thought so. I like that they added him in there and they put that J.J. Abrams put that little kind of ode to him in there that this was his last movie. And yeah. speaking of John Williams, uh, was there anything about John Williams and his score or soundtrack <laughs> that a lot of people liked or that you liked? I you know it it just fit. I mean that's the thing that I liked. It fit, but it didn't. Uh, it didn't taint the movie at all. Yeah. One of the things that I, I never liked is when the score was overpowering yeah. to the story. You had, it, it just matched what was happening with the action, with the story perfectly. Yeah. You know, you didn't have, uh, so much of a swell of music at a time to try and make you feel a certain way. Yeah. It was already there and the music just matched it. That's what I liked about it. Yeah, John Williams is an amazing composer. Yeah, um, really. yeah. We talked about how he's really good at pairing scenes with his music. And Spielberg and Lucas. I mean, I think there's only two movies that Williams and Spielberg haven't done together. And I, in an interview I watched and listened, um, they they kind of Spielberg is one of those composers, or sorry, one of those directors that really focuses on the music and really wants to use music in a theatrical way. And mm -hmm. so that was something that was always, I think, prevalent in all these kinds of movies that we see. And he obviously goes through all four movies and uh, something that I think, you know, a lot of fans enjoy. And, you know, to have him in Star Wars and Indiana Jones, I mean, he's known for it. It, it. it gave him his career and it's something that I think he really enjoys being able to revisit these characters in different installments. And with that, Temple of Doom obviously comes out three years later, 1984, uh, that one was obviously one of the more dark ones. Did you like that one more? Did you see it? Uh, was it kind of the same hype, trailers, that kind of thing? Yeah, you know, I it, it was probably about the same. I mean, I, I know I went, uh, I didn't have to go see it with a parent, you know. So I yeah. uh, was able to go uh, just with my friend and I. Yeah. And um, I, I think I liked it, but I didn't like it as much as the first one. And I think that's what Max has always said in the yeah. past as well. I yeah. mean, I don't like Temple of Doom as much as I like, you know, Raiders and Last Crusade. That brings me to my next question. What One, did you see Crystal Skull? I did, and I, I was not a big fan of Crystal Skull. <laughs> <That's cool. laughs> no. I think we can all agree on that, um, yeah. for most of us. Stay tuned for a uh, three-hour-long rant. But, um, <laughs> we'll talk about that eventually. <laughs> yes, and did you know they were making more of the movies, like after you saw Raiders? No. No, no. It was. I, and I think didn't. that's what John Williams mentioned too. He didn't know that that was coming. But was yeah. that kind of expected? Do you think, or did you just think it was kind of a one-time thing? No, I thought it was kind of a one-time thing. Are, um, it really. I mean, nowadays you sort of expect a oh, yeah. uh, a follow-up to a sequel. Now. Yeah, to everything, especially when they if they uh, they they almost end the movie looking for a sequel. So for for both Star Wars and Raiders. 
um, you know, they didn't know how big of a hit it was going to be. They didn't know if it was going to be successful. So exactly. you can't plan in your script yeah. for another movie if you don't know if this one's going to work. Yeah. Right. So, and so I, I and that again, was... it was very financially risky right. to do something. Exactly. So if it's a flop, there's no way you're getting a sequel. Exactly. So that's why they kind of had to close out each movie like it is. And you mm-hmm. see those in all three of the movies, especially in Last Crusade when you have them riding off into the sunset. That was really the closing on the trilogy. And so yeah. to open that back up with Crystal Skull... A lot of people didn't like that, and I think yeah. one of the things for me that I liked... And now is, they're making a fifth one. But, yeah, but you know. which we'll talk about in a second here. Mm. They brought Harrison Ford back, obviously, which I liked in Crystal Skull, but just something about it didn't feel the same. There was a lot of CGI that they used. They kind of went away from some of the classic... Um, even the little things. And I don't know if I mentioned this in, when we were talking about Young Indiana Jones, but something I read about Sean Patrick Flannery, the actor who does it, is he says when he saw Raiders, he thought it was one of the greatest films of all time. Mm. And to prepare for the role, he went back to watch the movies and took notes on Harrison Ford, how he tilts his hat, how he moves his hands, how he uses the whip. And I mentioned that I thought that Sean Patrick Flannery, to me, gives you that nostalgic feel of Indiana Jones and Harrison Ford. And I think that's why, because he does those things. And so I think the producers and the directors, I feel like, kind of fell from that. They were just like, oh, this is another fun movie we're going to make. I, I, they didn't, to me, focus as much on getting these classic things straight. And it was hard to do it with the, obviously, it had been years since they made another one. But I just thought that kind of, speaking of, you know, financially risky movies, I mean, it was really kind of a risk to open it back up. And now some people are saying, okay, well, with Indy 5, do you make another one? And if it's bad, and now you're kind of have this Star Wars prequels thing where you've got multiple bad ones, or do you take the risk to make that it's good to the point where it kind of overshadows Crystal Skull and you ended with this great film that could potentially lead to other stuff in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would much rather see them um, just kind of leave it. Yeah. Um, instead of bringing it back. Because the characters have aged, right? Yes. So right. I, you and wonder right. how how that's going to fit into the story. Or if it's not. And if if it's not, then you're kind of talking about something different altogether. Exactly. I mean, Star Wars only was able to do that because they then took them, the characters as younger. Right. right? The prequels, right? Exactly. And then they went to the characters, uh, other characters. Right. Right. Who were in, sort of introduced at, exactly. uh, as, after the fact. Now, do you have any sort of ideas or thoughts about making an Indiana Jones 5. There's obviously a lot of things that have been announced. They're not nothing's necessarily been super confirmed. Harrison Ford is coming back for another one a few years after Crystal Skull. Any sort of thoughts on what you think about that and, you know, with you seeing the movie in 1981, we obviously have seen these movies, you know, very recently, of course, in the last 10 years or whatever. And what what are your kind of thoughts on that as in terms of this experience and idea of seeing Raiders in 1981? Hmm. Well, I, it would depend on what period it's set in. I, I guess it would be interesting... Well, see, they can't go too far forward in time because then Harrison Ford will have to have aged yeah. that much in time, right? So they could uh, bring it up to, like, the 80s or something, right? Um, but they couldn't really bring it up to, to current day. So it'll be interesting to see um, 
what they, time period they're talking about and then what how old the characters are supposed to be that would be kind of right. interesting Basically to see. what they do with it uh, because we don't really have any idea what is actually going to happen in indy 5 mm -hmm. do we yeah now what are your thoughts about indy 5 because i know you obviously are not a huge fan of crystal skull no i mean we're going to talk about this more in depth in a different episode but just off the top of my head you know i don't know if it's going to be good or not because i mean they're bringing harrison ford back and harrison ford is what like 80s? He's in his 80s now, I think. I think almost, Either yeah. Either late then. 70s, no. early 80s. And, you know, bringing him back for another Indiana Jones movie. It's kind of like, well... The question I really have, then, is about uh, what we were talking about earlier, is the idea of going into uh, tombs in other country or going into yeah. uh, other countries... And taking out their artifacts, yeah, and our perception of that has changed. If they're able to weave that into it, yeah, right. So maybe it's more of saving artifacts, right? Yeah, for the the country of, of origin instead of going and taking it from this country and bringing it back to Britain for right. the British Museum. Which yeah. I mean, that Indy isn't exactly trying to take it from its specific place as he is trying to, you know, just preserve it and make sure that no other people steal it. I think this 1981 Raiders experience, I think, was definitely, like you said, completely life-changing to cinema history and for many years to come. Yeah, absolutely. It, was, it set a bar that other movies were sort of gauged against. It was really popular. Um, and for me, you know, any action movie that you see after that, it kind of yeah. You use Raiders as the bar in which you, yeah. you know, measure it, right? Oh, it wasn't as good as Raiders. Yeah. You know? Exactly. <laughs> I mean, there's so many action movies nowadays, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, I see movies all the time, and it's just action, action, action all the time. And Spielberg and Lucas, I mean, some people consider them the best ever to do it. Mm -hmm. And I think there's plenty of arguments that could be made to say that that is true. And then so now with, you know, things kind of moving on, I think Spielberg might want to move on and say, you know, let's close the book. And, you know, one of the things I've interested in in terms of this idea is, will Lucas even be involved? I mean, he's kind of stepped away from the franchise by now. I mean, definitely I don't think there's any reassurance that he would be involved right. necessarily. I mean, yeah, I mean, he's done, uh, well, now be four Indiana Jones movies. I don't know if he's doing, I mean, as you said, he's probably not... I don't know if he's doing that much input on the fifth one. Yeah. I mean, he's obviously, he's still, it's still going to be produced under LucasArts, so he yeah. has some type of input. Right. But, but I, I think mean, Spielberg is going to be more directing it and stuff like that. Yeah, so. I mean, it's like, how do you make an indie movie without Spielberg, Harrison Ford, and Lucas agreeing all on the story, you know? I mean, right. it's like... Mm -hmm. I mean, it, you just can't. Just another old day at the office. Just another old day at the office, a classic quote from Last Crusade. And I, and the, the trailer to... I always thought was really, really great. And that was, you know, another hooking point, going back to that quote. Mm. Um, and I just, overall, I think Raiders is such, it's kind of overlooked now because, mm -hmm. you know, it's always a great classic, right? But it's just another great classic. And I think it kind of separates itself when we talk about this experience of seeing it back then. The other thing I want to bring up is the ending. Yes. Because one of the things that set it apart then and still sets it apart now is the way that it ended how everything wasn't wrapped up. You have them, the whole movie is focused on them getting this treasure. Right. And they get it, and in the last scene, you see it being carted away in a box and put 
In a warehouse. In a warehouse that right. no one will ever see it again. And this idea of, uh, you know, the secrets that it may hold, the power that it may hold, and all of that is just being shelved. It's just being hidden. Usually that's not what you get at the end of a movie. At the end no. of the movie, you get, I mean, they, they, they do have kind of the, the love story does get wrapped up with the two of them together. Uh, and that's nice. And Indy's safe, obviously. But, you know, what they were working on is still left hanging. It's right. left in the air. I mean, we don't exactly know what's going to happen next. I mean, they had to end it that way, as you said, because they didn't know if it was going to be a big flop or a big success. Mm -hmm. Obviously, it ended up being a huge, huge success. Mm -hmm. I don't know how well Crystal Skull did, but, you know, it must have done well enough for them to, you know, make another one, so... And, you know, obviously, have the idea to create an Indy 5, so... Right. Uh, I think that about concludes today's episode, and uh, obviously the 1981 Raiders experience was one that I think is very interesting as we kind of talked about the Indiana Jones movies as a whole and what it was like seeing that experience. And I think these are classic movies of the 80s that, you know, like we said, something that had never been seen in its time back then. And so uh, it was very interesting and fun to uh, hear your discussion. Thanks again for joining us. Thank you. Um, and uh, now I want to go back and watch Raiders again. Yeah. <laughs> Even though I've seen it for who knows how many times. But uh, thanks again for joining us, and we'll be back with another episode next week as always. Once again, I'm Max. And I'm Michael. And I'm Will. And until next time, so long, Dr. Jones. Jones.